0: After a huge rally in bonds, the long-term end of the yield curve is taking a bit of a pause, just as we expected. After huge moves, you always expect the market to retrace a little bit, to go back, to do a little bit of a profit-taking, as you see in the stock market. Nothing ever goes in a straight line. So we're still looking for a resolution to our inverted yield curves. And there's really only two options, but maybe three options. The one option is they go after this whatever pause, after this period where yields are going to go back higher and start to sort of sit out the marketplace, which could last for a couple months. But after that, what happens next? Do, do yields then start to go lower again? Do we see the front end of the yield curve outpace the long end, the bull steepening case or which is really the bad steepening case? Do we see a situation where the market says, nah, never mind that big rally, that was nothing. We're actually going to go back to where we were in, say, September and October, worrying about treasury deficits and auctions and inflation and rates have to go higher to compensate for all of those huge risks? Or do we get sort of the Goldilocks scenario that has been proffered in the financial commentary, which is Everything just kind of gently flattens out from here. We get a couple rate cuts from the Fed because of the Goldilocks soft landing. The market isn't too disturbed. Things are looking generally good, and so there's this new third way of thinking coming in, at least from the financial market, uh, from the financial commentary, that says the yield curve just kind of peters out from here, just flattens out where right around where we're we where it is right now, and we all go on with our lives happily ever after. I'm not sure that's a really uh, probable case, but you know given the way current uh, macroeconomic statistics and the way the certainly some of the markets other markets like stocks seem to project uh, same kind of Goldilocks scenario, you, you can understand where this is coming from. after all, that would be, I think, the best case scenario so Steve, Steve van Meter. We look at the yield curve. It had a huge move. We got into the bad steepening case. And then just as we were getting to disinversion or uninversion with the twos and tens, kind of backed away a little bit. So what do you think? What do you think we're looking at from here as far as, first of all, the marketplace, the bond market, the curves, but also the general economy, maybe even the banking system itself and
1: risks there? Yeah, Jeff, this is interesting because we just heard from uh, Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan that you know the curve needed to normalize. You know, that this thing is getting ahead of itself. And then what do we see just before that, right? All these Fed speakers come out and say, wait a minute, you're all ahead of yourself. We didn't say six cuts, we said maybe three. And that's if we need to, we might not, and it won't be till the very end of the year. So hang tight, you're all way ahead here. And that's just the whole issue. If indeed you look at the equity markets, which we talked about last week, that are just getting excited about the soft landing narrative, then the whole notion here, the equity markets must be right. The bank CEOs must be right. Well, the Fed's in charge of the bond market, as everybody knows. So in that case, the curve has to normalize. So if the Fed isn't going to cut rates anytime soon, well, the end's got to go up. Well, sure enough, it did, but maybe not quite as much as everyone's hoped for. Because as you know, the curve is still inverted. And that is a sign that perhaps that everybody's got this wrong, the Fed, the banks, of course, the market, that indeed financial conditions here, Jeff, are still tightening. And I don't think people quite realize that.
0: Yeah, and I think what you just said, that's something we've talked about before, that we need to re- reiterate over and over again. You hear this all throughout the financial media. The market is expecting the Fed to cut six times or seven times, or now it's five times in 2024. And that's not what the market is saying. It's really not pricing this middle-of-the-roll Goldilocks scenario where you get a few rate cuts from the Fed. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four, maybe it's five. That's not what the markets are doing. And as you pointed out, Steve, absolutely right. The inversion basically gives away the game here. What's happening is we have two competing viewpoints that are in direct competition in the market. And on one hand, there's a lot of people who look at the Treasury's deficits and say, holy crap. Um, just like you know that busted thirty year auction in november that's going to be our future we 're going to have to worry about treasury supply we're going to have to worry about reignited inflation, and so i'm going to hedge and i'm going to put my portfolio and arrange it so that i'm waiting for bonds and interest rates to go up and there's a lot of people in the marketplace who believe that, but on the other side there's a there's a growing consensus, a larger consensus that I'm really worried about the economy. I'm really worried about the banking system. We'll get to that in just a second. I'm really worried about the way things are going. And so even though I'm not sure when or how or exactly what's going to happen, I'm going to start hedging as if rates are going to go to zero. I'm going to hedge as if rates go all the way down. We're going to be talking about uh, QEs again. I don't know when that's going to be, but I see all of the stars and clouds and things aligning so that conditions lead the Fed to conclude, I got to go all the way to zero. I got to start talking about QEs again. And so you have on the one side, the deflationary people, which is why curves are inverted because there's more on that side than not. And then you have on the other side, the Goldilocks, soft landing, maybe inflation, too many treasuries people. And the average of those two positions or the medium of those two positions looks like six Fed rate cuts when it's actually not. It's either zero rates and QE's, or it's, hey, everything's fine, and we're talking about Treasury supply again. And the difference between
1: those two is exactly what you said, Steve, that's the inversion. Jeff, that is a great point, because so many people believe that the Fed has got this right. And I love it, because you and I know the Fed never has gotten it right, ever. I mean, they have the perfect track record of failure. But yet we wanna believe that all their economic models and all those PhDs and all those computer systems that they've got, that this time they've got it nailed down perfectly and that yes, they just over tighten maybe a little bit, but they're not sure. And if we just back off just a few rate cuts, I mean, this whole thing is just gonna blast off like crazy. In that case, you wanna be in stocks because it means you made the best move of your life buying the dip and coming out of this. But the problem is the yield curve keeps telling us that is not the probable outcome because we know throughout history. The Fed always talks about a couple of cuts. That's normal. Hey, we brought things up a little bit. We're probably going to have to trim a little bit. And you and I know one cut leads to two, two to three, and three leads to a whole lot more on the way back to zero. And as you said, a whole lot more QE. The challenge here is investors are really nervous. They're looking at this deluge of treasury securities coming. They keep reading the article saying that's got to drive rates up. And everyone believes that story, right? Well, who's no one's going to buy it? Well, the price has to go down. And so what you're seeing is, and you've got this right, Jeff, the investors are piling in on the short end of the curve, where if they really believe rates were going down, they should be out at the long end of the curve on their hedge. Of course, they'll eventually get there, but not yet today. And maybe that's just part of the reason we're seeing the long end back off so much compared to, say, the front end or the intermediate part of the curve.
0: Yeah, I still think that's just normal behavior after a big, huge rally in bonds that nobody saw coming. It just you know they back off for a couple of months. That's just markets. Markets don't go in a straight line. There's always that sawtooth pattern, back and forth, back and forth, and these patterns are short run as well as long run. So after a huge rally in bonds, and it really was, it was near historic in the long long end of the yield curve, you would expect it to take a break to just step back and reassess. And part of that reassessment, you Steve, you just you just said one thing that I think is a huge part of that is the Federal Reserve always gets this wrong, and that includes. Liquidity, banking system, monetary flow, and, and uh, management. Um, there was a report that I just talked about in my video yesterday from the G30, and the working group in the G30 was chaired by, get this, Steve, I know you know this, but Bill Dudley. Bill Dudley was the chair and it included others like Muhammad Al Aryan and Mervyn King and all these key central bankers. Um, Chao Xiao Chow, 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 Chow chuan I can't say his name, the former head of the PBOC. So he had all of these former big-time central bankers get together and analyze the banking crisis from last year, and they criticized the hell out of current central bankers. They said lender of last resort capabilities were sorely lacking. They didn't perform up to snuff. And so here we are, even these former central bankers are criticizing their their, their, uh, their subsequent counterparts, the people who replaced them. And the market is thinking the same thing. We didn't need the report from Bill Dudley to tell us that, but the market is saying, yeah, these people say everything is fine, but why should we trust it? Because time and time again, they tell us everything is fine. And then we run into a, part, a situation like March and April of 2023. So those people who are betting on treasuries being too many, the too much supply, You can also understand why others are betting on the rates going to zero in QE because the chances of an accident, let's call it an accident, especially as it relates to collateral, are much higher than most of the public would otherwise give because history has shown you do not want to depend upon central banks and central bankers, either their word or their capabilities.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point, Jeff, because when we go back to March and April last year, the Fed really was clueless. I mean, we talked about this then. They brought all of their cohorts in and all these experts, and they got together and had meetings and realized they had no clue what happened. They had no clue what to do, and they threw everything at the wall, which is interesting now because we're starting to see the Fed come out and start talking about how wonderful the discount window is. In fact, in the past, a lot of people don't know, but there's been this stigma against using the discount window for liquidity needs from the Fed. And in fact, Fed of old, they said, we don't want you to use it. In fact, if you're using it, the word's going to get out and people aren't going to like it. So, of course, when the banks need something, they don't go to Papa Fed. They go everywhere else. And what did we find out? That they pretty much ran the limit of what was out there. It, that was a problem. So now, all of a sudden, we, when times seem okay, I mean, we're not seeing any crises now. Stock's looking to make even higher highs And yet the Fed's coming out and saying, hey, we really want you to start using the discount window. In fact, we want you to use it so bad, we're gonna put out policy where you gotta use it at least once a year. And we don't care if it's for a dollar or a zillion dollars. We want you to use the thing because we want everyone to see that it's okay. if If you're a little short this week, you can come to us. Jeff, I think they realize that maybe something here is coming. Maybe it's the end of the bank term funding program in March. I don't know. Maybe it's just because the banks haven't you know, gotten any better in their financial situation. I think the first time, maybe the Fed's listening to that group and say, you know what? Maybe we do need to do this. Or maybe the bank are telling them, there's just no, there's nowhere else to go. So if you don't give us something, the next crisis is going to be really bad.
0: Well, you know as well as I do, Steve, they're, they're going to say this is just abundance of caution, right? We're just, we're just testing our discount window capabilities just in the absolute minuscule case that something ever happens again. And you're right, though. The discount window had stigma for a reason because the Federal Reserve from way, way back said, you come to the discount window, we'll give you funds, but we're also going to send a bunch of bank regulators your way to start looking through your books. And nobody ever wanted that. And then in the 21st century, around 2002, 2003, the Fed said, maybe we should rethink the discount window because nobody's ever going to use it with all the st- stigma we've created. And then they moved the discount rate from below federal funds target to above and said, well, we'll remove the stigma by charging a penalty rate. So you can come to the discount window, but you're just going to have to pay more. Nobody, we won't look at you funny. We won't send regulators. Just You have to pay a penalty. So that makes sure that you don't use this as a source of funding. And then of course, In 2007 and 2008, it didn't really work either. So they keep trying to figure out ways to, now it's, what is it? If you use the discount window, they won't publish your name for 18 months. So you have this period of anonymity where you can actually use the discount window, but eventually your name's going to come out and maybe that'll raise. So, I mean, they keep trying to reform the discount window, which in and of itself is a recognition that, not all is working the way it's supposed to. And I keep getting back to that point, which the market knows. The Fed says, we've got all the tools we need. We've got all the capabilities we need. We know what we're doing. And then something happens. And they say, oh, we didn't know what we're doing. We didn't have the tools. Now we do. Now we have the tools. We know what we're doing. We have everything updated. Then something else happens. And they say, okay, well, we're going to change everything else. And that G30 report I just referenced, one of the things they admitted was The LCR, the liquidity coverage ratio, which was one of the big things that the authorities came up with in the wake of the crisis. Yeah, that didn't work so well. So now we got to come up with a new measure. We got to come up with a new way of doing things. And if you're in the marketplace and you think that, well, even if I don't see something immediately bad today, the downside case is worse than you think it is because you realize authorities are no real backstop when push comes to shove. And that's what it really comes down to. So if you're thinking about Less than ideal conditions, the chances of that getting out of control are much larger than maybe other, otherwise people might appreciate. And so that's why we have this bifurcated marketplace where people are hedging as if the you know, rates are going to zero on QEs because the chances of that happening are much higher than people appreciate.
1: Yeah, that's right, Jeff. And this is where we come back to the yield curve where we started the show out today because it's very important to understand it's telling us financial conditions are tightening. Now we could look and say, okay, the Fed's talking about the discount window because maybe they sense something. But as you pointed out, they don't sense anything ever. They're just terrible at this. They're so bad at it that this is probably just someone telling them, hey, you guys probably should do something. And then they thought about it for a while and decided, well, maybe we should. And so the real issue here is I think the market is starting to figure out that not only has the Fed got this wrong, but the economy is indeed slowing down. That's why we're seeing the front end of the course, of the curve, the two years start to decline. That's telling us that indeed, financial conditions here are tightening. That's not a good sign for the market that's bulled up about this massive expansion. In fact, it's probably the biggest red flag we could see here. So the fact that 30 year yields backed up a little bit, whether it's you know because profit taking or anything else, it doesn't matter. What matters here is the curve is still inverted and it's not a good sign of what is to come.
0: And that's, that's the, it's also a, a good sign or, or a decent proxy for the counter argument or, or the evidence against the counter argument because people will say, well, you guys are crazy. The Fed responded effectively, right? This was March and April of 2023. It's January, 2024, everything's just fine. So obviously the Fed knew what they were doing because it didn't get to become, you know, it wasn't great depression 2.0, right? we didn't turn into you know march april of 2023 didn't turn into march it didn't turn into october of 1929 so the fed was incredibly effective they absolutely it was going to be really bad and they stepped in and nipped it all in the bud with their new programs and their new tools obviously they know what they're doing you two don't know what the hell you're talking about and that's where the yield curve is saying what we're saying is that okay that's your narrative about how things go how things went we're not convinced We still think there's an incredible amount of downside here. Whether you see it or not doesn't matter. We still see it. And that, again, goes back to this binary arrangement in the marketplace where some people are saying treasury supply, inflation risk, those are the biggest problems when the consensus, that's the inversion, the consensus in the biggest, most liquid markets that are around is the opposite. We're still more concerned about a downside, a potential financial and banking accident that can that actually could get out of control. Not saying that's going to happen, but that's the chief concern that is driving the other side of the market, the inversion in the curve, which is if it does happen, it's likely to get rates down to zero and QEs and all that stuff. And it's really there's really not any in between here. There really isn't a Goldilocks scenario. It's all or nothing.
1: Yeah, that's right, Jeff. There, there's two outcomes. It's either great or absolutely horrible. And well, you know what's funny to me is all these people are talking about treasury supply and it's going to drive rates up. On the other side, we still have a collateral shortage. So the issue is we're running record deficits and the financial system is saying, hey, we need more T-bills. We need more collateral here. And you'd think we'd have enough of it, but yet we don't. In fact, uh, on my show t- on Friday, I used a very interesting chart because a lot of people just, they dismiss the yield curve as, you know, maybe it's just a bond market thing. But, you know, if you take the yield curve and you invert it against the U.S. equity market, when it steepens, and in the bad way, as we're talking, when rates go down, well, usually the equity market follows.
0: Yeah, that's a key thing to keep in mind. As you've said repeatedly, how many times here, just on this show, and as well as on your own show, rates going down are not a good sign. And so what we're really talking about in all of this What is the probability that actually happens? And the probability appears to be much greater than anyone is anticipating. Yes, you can look at the Fed and say it saved 2023, did perform terrifically in the wake of Silicon Valley Bank. It's just that this market is not convinced at all. The market is still looking at all the potential downside it did almost a year ago and said, still there, still a big problem. And if it does happen, as you say, Steve, it's not going to be a good day at the New York Stock Exchange. What is really going on in the stock market with stock prices? Where do they actually come from? I did a complete video about that just recently. That's the one linked below me. Thanks, as always, to Mr. Stephen Van Meter. Until next time, take care.